High end over end variety. And Amani from his 45. He's got a lane. And he's got speed. Look out. Beep, beep. The Ducks are in the end zone. Touchdown. This is the Duck Pod from the Register Guard Newsroom. Gordon head to head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off. Oregon sports beat writers Ryan Thorburn and Steve Mims. All right, welcome back to the latest episode of the Duck Pod. Ryan Thorburn here with Steve Mims. Steve, Oregon up to number seven now, headed to USC. South leading USC for a huge game on Saturday night at the LA Coliseum. What do you make of this matchup? Uh, to me, this is the the largest hurdle Oregon has remaining in their quest to go eleven and one. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think that you look at it and you feel like at Arizona State, still out there. Yeah, Arizona State's kind of who knows what they're going to look like in a couple of weeks. The home game is against Arizona and, and Oregon State. You know, you'd, you'd like to think those are probably Oregon. So yeah, this is the one and. It, this one does feel like it's it's as close as maybe people expect it to be. You know, USC's playing really well right now. They, I think coming into the year, you wondered where USC's head was going to be by the time they faced Oregon. It was so late in the year with a coach on the hot seat. You thought, boy, they may have cashed it in on, cashed it in for Clay at this point in the season. But instead, as they come here, they've won two in a row in conference. Before that was a Notre Dame game that they lost by three. So um, they're playing well right now. Michael Pittman, Micah's brother, might be as good a wide receiver as there is in the Pac-12 right now. Uh, they lost JT Daniels on opening day, and Slovis has stepped in and been just as good as as anybody thought Daniels would have been. So, I think this thing's. I think it's you know. I, I think it's a toss up going in. I, I think it'll be a good matchup. I think it's. I think it's worthy of. I think it'll be a drama at least worthy of the of the Fox primetime game. Yeah, Clay Helton during the offseason hired Cliff Kingsbury to mm-hmm. be the offensive coordinator after Kingsbury was let go by his alma mater, Texas Tech. That lasted about an hour, yeah. and then he goes to Plan B, which is a clone of Kingsbury. Uh, Graham Harrell is the offensive coordinator, another Mike Leach, Texas Tech quarterback. So Oregon, which you know faced the air raid last week in that thrilling 37-35 win over Washington State, now kind of gets a souped-up version of it because these wide receivers are all NFL guys. And uh, Harrell's done a really good job when you consider the fact that they've used three different quarterbacks due to injury. Yeah, different than Washington State in the sense that Mike Leach, you know, just knows that and has guys that have been doing it for so long. And even, you know, his starting quarterback's a guy who was the backup, got used to it. So this is more of Harrell's group trying to throw it all in on these guys in one time. And we've seen, like I say, they're been, you know, they scored, I think, 14 in the loss at Washington. There's been some bad games where they lost to BYU and overtime. So there's been some like that. But, you know, they say they... They put up some numbers here last week on Arizona, and we've seen uh, you know Colorado was a game that looked like they were going to lose, and I think that was a big one for this. I think if Oregon, if USC's coming off a loss to Colorado, suddenly you're thinking, man, what do they have left to play for? But the way it is now, I mean, they everybody keeps talking about this Oregon-Utah Pac-12 title game. If it happened today, this Saturday's matchup is currently the Pac-12 title game. They've, they're tied with Utah, and even though they're nowhere near the rankings, they have the one win over Utah. And they're really a good home team as i mentioned with ken woody um you know they beat stanford early in the season 45 to 20 um stanford that kind of led to some of their problems with the injuries and then as you mentioned utah goes down 30 23 on a friday night um their last home game they blew out arizona so i'm expecting usc's best even though they're pretty beat up on defense and at running back i think 
this is going to be a shootout, I think. Yeah, and like I said, this is a team that knows that even though they're not ranked and there's real, I mean, it's sort of Pac-12 title game or bust for them in terms of, you know, that gets them to the Rose Bowl. They don't get to that. They're suddenly looking at, you know, the Alamo Bowl or something like that. I mean, there's a long drop from kind of where they should be just in terms of kind of the quality of that team with where they actually are in the, in the rankings just because of the fact that everybody kind of has got this Oregon-Utah thing in their minds. So, yeah, I mean, I think USC, you know, Clay Helton, I mentioned this before, it's just – you know, I mean, he's got to be sitting there thinking, you know, if everybody has me gone, but if I get to the Rose Bowl, can you really fire me at that point? I mean, the new athletic director is going to come in, and we think anything short of a Rose Bowl, Clay Hilton's gone, but he may be able to convince these guys, look, if you like me, keep fighting for me, because the one chance to keep me is if you went out. Absolutely, and uh, what do you think is going to happen in that matchup between Oregon's defense and this dynamic passing game for USC uh, you know, Oregon did hold Washington State to a couple field goals and, and made them punt three times. Those are small victories, and, and that added up to just enough as, you know, Oregon drives down and kicks the winning field goal. Uh, I think Washington State's offensive line is probably better at protecting their quarterback in the system than USC's, uh, as evidenced by USC losing so many quarterbacks mm-hmm. to injury. And, and Keaton Slovis, who's really impressive, even he was banged up against Utah, which – you know, cost the Utes to knock him out. It turned mm-hmm. out, and they and they lose to to Fink. Uh, how do you see that matchup going? Because you know, um, last we saw that last drive, uh, Anthony Gordon and the Cougars did whatever they wanted there. Yeah, I think USC has the best position group of wide receivers that Oregon's faced this year. That said, I think Washington State's tougher to defend just because they know what they're doing. They have guys who are kind of built in for that system, and like we say, we're looking at. You know, Michael Pittman's now being fitted into a system here. Washington State was, you know, all guys who were for that. But that said, like I say, just the individual with St. Brown and uh, and Pittman, you know, just guys that can can get loose on you. And if if they do, that can be big plays all over the field. And we've seen Pittman has had, what, 70-yarders and 80-yarders and St. Brown's same way. And they've got guys who, who can really kind of take it on you. And like I say, you know, Slovis has really kind of worked his way into it and gotten into a good position with these guys. You know, with Malapai out, it's made it tough for them to run. You'd think that kind of adds some of the pressure on the offense. People expect them to throw more, but they've been able to do it okay against against Colorado and, and Arizona the last couple of weeks. Some positive signs for Oregon's defense, from what I've seen, is first of all, the coaches think Troy Dye is going to play. He missed the Washington State game with the broken thumb, but they think he's back. I think it'd be hard to keep him out of this one. He's from LA, yeah. senior year at SC freshman year they got embarrassed by sam darnold there uh so i think troy die is going to play that makes a big difference um the other thing is oregon has 14 interceptions they did have two picks including a pick six by javon holland against anthony gordon uh, a senior quarterback um the, the week before that they faced a ju- red shirt junior quarterback in eason so slovis is a freshman who's been dynamic and has not turned the ball over a lot but if they could get a turnover or two from the freshman that would help and third, Andy Avalos was in a bad mood leading into Washington State. I don't know if that's a coincidence <laughs> or not, but a lot of times that's because practices aren't, you know, going as well as he he would like. And he said yesterday, and he said it in weeks past, but they've had a lot of good weeks that this was one of the better weeks of practice for the defense. So maybe they they are more locked in for SC. Yeah, he mentioned particularly the Washington week was the one where he said he went back and looked back at the week of practice and felt like there were some things that, that could have materialized from that and that did, and that was kind of what frustrated him there. So, um, yeah, and, you know, you look at 
you know, you talk about freshmen. I mean, Bo Nix we saw in, in his first start, and, you know, Oregon really flustered him for about three quarters there and had him on the ropes, and suddenly he comes out and has a couple big drives late. So that's another thing with, with you know, Slovis is if you see him out there and struggling early on, uh, you know, kind of some ways you would see with, with Justin Herbert this year, some struggles early can kind of pick it up a little bit later on. So we'll see. But, that you know, being at home, being at 5 o'clock, being on, it seems like, you know, I'm, they're not drawing quite the, the attention in town these days with the – Lakers and the Clippers and some of the other things going on in LA, but uh, you know I do, I do think this is sort of if you're a, if you're a USC fan, this is sort of the time that you're either in or you're out. So I, I do think there'll be a pretty good decent decent atten- a decent atmosphere at the Coliseum. Offensively, I, I think Oregon should be able to run the ball and and win the time of possession. CJ Verdell coming off 257 yard rushing performance the week before. Cyrus Habibi Lakio with a great second half at Washington. So they have some depth there. They have some explosiveness now that uh, CJ is looking like his old self. Uh, Mario said Travis Dye is good to go after uh, that helmet-to-helmet hit against Washington State. I think I think Oregon's gonna you know kind of control this game. Uh, something Utah was unable to do: just control the ball with the running game and, and the play-action pass, and and keep this air raid off the field. Yeah, it's funny. Last week we were sitting here saying is. Habibi Likio now the starting running back, and turns out he was. Yeah. He got the first play, but Verdell came in and had the fourth best rushing game, you know, in history, sort of to let people know he was still around too. I, I think it's those two now. I, I think the guy who maybe fades out a little bit is Die. Um, you know, I, I think you could see him almost become like a third down back type, somebody who's in there for, you know, pretty re- good catch catching the ball. So I could see him being a guy who kind of goes there. I don't think this is going to be. You're going to see Travis getting ten carries, you know, in kind of a secondary role. I, I, I think this is kind of CJ and. And Cyrus right now is the two guys they've got the most trust in. Uh, and, and I think we're going to see Die become more of a little bit kind of in some packages rather than kind of coming out for an entire series or two. And Justin Herbert has been really good when it mattered at Washington and Washington State leading those comebacks. Uh, you know, as we've talked about, he lost Jacob Breland. He lost Brennan Schooler. Uh, I'm going to post a story. What is today? Thursday. I'm Halloween. Gonna po- I'm going to post a Halloween story here on <laughs> On Spencer Webb and Jawan Johnson, not only filling that void in the passing game, but really doing a good job with their blocking. Um, I know Jawan had a crack back block that took out two guys on C.J. Verdell's 89-yard rushing touchdown against Washington State, but um, those two have really stepped up. And, and apparently, according to the coaches, it's not just you know the touchdowns or Jawan catching those big passes on that final drive. Um, they're getting physical in the run game, so uh, that's a good development for Oregon. Yeah, and Webb, you know, we've he came in as kind of this thin guy, and you know, we've seen him been playing a little bit at wide receiver. And they talk about even in high school, he'd been more of a wide receiver. So you don't get a ton of tight ends who block a whole lot in high school or needed to, and certainly didn't sound like he was a guy who was asked to do a whole lot. Patrick Herbert, same way, you know, wasn't a guy who was blocking a whole lot. They tried to kind of turn him his senior year into getting more physical to kind of prepare to college like that. But, you know, Oregon's got with, with Bay and Hump Moyer kind of these blocking types, and then they've got Webb that's more the receiving type. If they could find a guy who's able to do both, you know, kind of a Cam McCormick style, I, I think they would prefer that. Even special teams, uh, Blake Maimon has uh, obviously had a good year punting. Uh, Camden Lewis, they finally turned to their kicker, and he delivered the game winner and also two other made field goals against Washington State. Um, and then Mikhail Wright, a little bit of an unsung hero. You don't see as many kickoff returns with uh, you know kickers kicking them out of bounds and or out of the end zone, and now also being able to fair catch kickoffs anywhere on the field. But 
Mikhail Wright, what timing to have a, a really good return to uh, set Herbert up with a manageable field on that final drive. Yeah, I would think we'd probably see him out there and, and they kind of stick with him in the return game. And, you know, we had said all year long, boy, there's going to game comes down to a field goal on this schedule and that's going there's going to be one. And how confident do you feel in the kicker? And, you know, heck, Oregon felt pretty confident. They took a knee and centered the ball rather than taking another shot at the end zone. So they showed confidence in Camden and he backed them up for it. Yeah, and Camden Lewis was he was great after the game. Um, really, an interesting guy, um, kind of unique as most kickers are. But uh, he's like, as much as it sucks, I have to forget, forget about this kick as much as I did the one at against Auburn yeah. and and move on. But uh, certainly, it was cool to see him enjoy that moment um, with his teammates carrying him off and and the sea of Oregon fans rushing the field. Um, so we'll get more into our, our prediction for USC in a later segment, but now let's take our first break. Hi there, it's Les Schwab Tires. You know, we've been helping keep folks safe on the road around here since 1952. That's why you can save up to $152 on a set of four select light truck and SUV tires during our fall tire sale. So swing by or book an appointment at LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab Tires, doing the right thing since 1952. Limited time offer while supplies last. Discount depends on tire size and type. Cannot be combined with other offers. Details at LesSchwab.com. All right, Steve, as you look around the Pac-12, the Oregon State Beavers are back in action at Arizona, and the fighting Jonathan Smiths are currently in second place in the North Division. Can they keep it going? Can they uh, make the Civil War one that's meaningful for both sides? Well, I think this game is losers out of the bull picture in both these teams because Arizona's still got Oregon and Utah left, and they need two wins. So figure they got to beat Oregon State and Arizona State. Uh, Oregon State's obviously also got Oregon left on the schedule, so they need three. So you got to beat Arizona in that. So this is sort of a an elimination from bowl contention for this one. I don't see Oregon State winning it, but you know it's on the road, and you'd say that. But Oregon's like I think Oregon State's three Pac-12 wins, last three Pac-12 wins have come on the road, so certainly that doesn't bother them much. But uh, it'll be interesting. You know, Arizona's kind of talking about going with the two quarterback system here, and. You know, that, that can be kind of something that takes a little time or see how the team responds to that. So I think the opportunity is there for Oregon State. Uh, you know, Jefferson doesn't sound like he's real healthy at running back, but I think this is a, a real high-scoring game, but it sounds I think this is sort of like a, a 51-40 Arizona-type win. Yeah, the uh, over-under is 71, Arizona six-point favorite. Uh, I think Oregon State wins a shootout there. So sorry about that, Beavers. I just picked you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Speaking of surprise contenders, Chip Kelly and UCLA, who you know we've uh, all shoveled dirt on this season, are now three and two in the Pac-12 and hosting reeling Colorado. <laughs> uh, UCLA, Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, that'd be a fun one. Um, I think UCLA wins this one. I mean, I think, and I'm not sure that you know. I want to make some grand statement that Chip's got it going now, but. You can kind of, if you can get going a little bit in the Pac-12, the way this conference is, those bottom teams, you can pile some things up. And obviously they beat Stanford. And now you're looking at this week, Colorado, a team coming off a, a bad home loss to USC. So I think he gets this one and gets to four and two. And like you say, I think, you know, if say Oregon wins and Washington wins, say the North teams both win this week, then suddenly you're looking at a three-way tie uh, with those teams there. And obviously USC and UCLA still to come. So, yeah, that could be a, that could be a, a pretty weird mix in that the way, you know, the Oregon's got this thing clinched obviously in the north, and it looks like it's USC Utah in the south, but UCLA's kind of hanging around there a little bit. 
I think it's going to be hard for Colorado to get up for this game because they were so close to having a special season, but they didn't get it done at home. They lost in overtime to Air Force and Boulder. They lost by three points. Um, no, excuse me, five points to Arizona at home. And then last week they had USC on the ropes and couldn't finish it off. They they really could have had a much different season mm-hmm. if they would have just protected their home field, and they didn't. Now, I think that USC loss was kind of deflating, but uh, I think they'll enjoy the 82-degree forecast in the Rose Bowl. But unfortunately for them, the Bruins are playing a lot better. I, I like the Bruins in that game. And finally, game of the week part two, number nine, Utah at Washington. Uh, the Utes are a field goal favorite. Over-under is all the way up to 48. So it's going to be probably a slugfest there. I think the Huskies win coming off a of bye week in Utah's inability to win these big road games as they were unable to do it USC earlier this season. I don't know. I'm kind of moving to get all in on Utah. I think that defense is pretty legitimate what they're doing. Uh, and offensively with Moss back there, you know, the, they got Tyler Huntley, the old UW quarterback, coming back to try to beat his old guys. So um, I'm, I'd, I'd take Utah on this. I I almost felt like Washington kind of gave their best – their best punch to Oregon a couple weeks ago. They haven't played, you know, they're coming off a bye week. You like that part of it, but I, I just think USC goes there, Utah goes in there, and I don't, I don't see the Huskies getting more than about 14 on them. I think this thing's a, a 17-14, 20-14 type of game. Yeah, I as I mentioned to Woody, I said it would be very Pac-12 of Washington and USC to win this week. And, yeah, and, and, and all their hopes right there. Right, but, uh, you know, I think, as I mentioned, I think – USC is Oregon's biggest hurdle to 11 and 1 and this is clearly Utah's biggest hurdle to 11 and 1 after this they have UCLA at home at Arizona Colorado at home so uh uh Larry Scott might have some green and red pom-poms this week uh, secretly. Yeah, there's no doubt that the people in the Pac-12 office would like to see that 11 and 1 versus 11 and 1 so but again, with Whittingham, you know, and they can go win these three, but they need, you know, they're going to they go beat Washington. They jump on the plane and head home. They're going to tune into Fox and, and see, watch, see, be, they'll be rooting for Oregon, certainly, because they need somebody to knock off USC along the way here to, to clear that door for them. Yeah, and it, let's uh, touch briefly on, on uh, next Tuesday, the college football playoff rankings come out. So if Oregon does beat USC, um, you know, there's not a lot of other top teams that have major challenges this week other than number six, Florida, plays Georgia. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's one spot there that uh, could be had. But, uh, you know, as far as the AP poll, you have LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Penn State, Florida, then Oregon. Uh, if there's no chaos this weekend, is that kind of how you see the playoff rankings when they are initially released? Yeah, I don't think Oregon can get ahead of seven in that eight people because even if Georgia wins, I think Georgia flops right back ahead of Oregon. Oregon last week flopped over Georgia when they were off. So I think the winner of that Florida-Georgia game is ahead of Oregon still, no matter who it is. So I think Oregon's seven there. I, I think Oregon's in the top eight in the college football playoff with this. Again, it could tinker a little bit from the polls. You could see you know, both those SEC teams in there, depending on how that game goes. If you know Florida were to beat Georgia close or Georgia beats Florida close, you could see one of them hanging in there above them. But uh, and you know I, I don't think I think Oregon's ahead of Utah in that thing just because their loss is going to be a better loss if and if they win at USC when Utah's lost at USC and Utah didn't have a great non-conference win and not even a good non-conference loss so I don't think Oregon has to worry about Utah in that thing I think they're ahead of them and I think they're top eight for sure if they win this week. 
All right, let's take our last break and then wrap up this podcast. Hi, Ryan Thorburn here, sports reporter at the Register Guard. I've covered a lot of your favorite sports memories in recent years. Marcus Mariota being presented the Heisman Trophy in New York. Oregon blowing defending national champion Florida State off the field in the Rose Bowl. Sabrina Ionescu becoming the face of women's college basketball while helping transform the Ducks from Pac-12 afterthought to national powerhouse. No other media company covers Oregon athletics with the depth and quality found at DuckSports.com. But in order for the Register Guard to continue its rich history of local journalism, we need your support. Please subscribe and support our advertisers to help us chronicle the ducks and take you behind the scenes to create more memories in the years to come. Okay, Steve, before we uh, look ahead to Saturday night in Los Angeles, uh, why don't we touch quickly on basketball, which is getting rolling here. Um, the Oregon men and women at a scrimmage the other night at Matthew Knight Arena. Uh, the women are ranked number one in the AP poll. Uh, I believe the men are 15. Is that mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Sabrina Ionescu is uh, preseason All-American. No surprise there. Um, kind of, if you combine women and men, uh, is Oregon the best basketball program in the Pac-12? Probably in the Pac-12, yeah, because if you're looking at you know the other top women's teams, Stanford not there on the men's side. Oregon State's not really there on the men's side right now. Um, UCLA, the other women's team, not there on the men's side. You look at the men. Colorado's not there on the women's side, so right. I think definitely you'd, you'd take them as as the best program right now. It'd be interesting to see with you know the the women. I think we know you know what you're getting out of them, and the key is to stay healthy because you know what you got. The Oregon men, we don't really know what they got at this point. Um, you know, Okoro didn't play last night; he could be down. And Feli Dante, you know, Dane Altman wasn't even wouldn't even confirm last night that he's going to be back on December 14th. So what what his situation is, all the grad transfers, all the new guys thrown in there. This one feels like it could be one that takes a little while. And, you know, last year we saw him lose to Texas Southern at home. Well, they opened with Fresno State and Boise State, which would be more talented. You know, they should beat those teams. But if they're struggling early on, one of those teams may have enough veteran guys to come out and beat them. And then you get into Memphis and that. I mean, there's a situation where – you know, this team, if, if things don't go real well, this could be a three and five, three and six type of team at one point. Whereas the Oregon women, you know, there's a couple mine, you know, a couple landmines along the way, but that team's not going to, not going to get off to a rough start with all the talent they have coming back that's used to each other. Yeah, I don't have uh, the Twitter machine open in front of me, but there's a great video. Uh, I wish I knew who posted it. I'd credit them, but there's a nice video of, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of a slice <laughs> of uh, Dana Altman's opening remarks following his scrimmage and Kelly Graves following his. And it's <laughs> like total opposites. Dana not happy right mm-hmm. now. Kelly Graves on top of the world. And that's, as you mentioned, I think that's because Dana knows this is going to be a process. There's going to be bumps. There's going to be figuring out the the rotations, figuring out who's available and all that. And, you know, Kelly Graves is going to roll the balls out once the regular season starts and, and start winning big games right away. And they have a, a challenging schedule, but they're only going to lose at one or two games this year. Yeah, next year will be Kelly's chance to say, well, we've got to put you – know, It'll be all five stars, but it'll be all new players coming in next year, and that'll be his chance to sort of play the underdog role again and kind of do a Dana thing and talk about how much time it's going to take for the team to come together. And if Kelly said that now, nobody believe him because they know he's got everybody back and, and he should be kind of picking up from right from the start. But uh, for Oregon, I, I do think that for the men's side, this could be something where it's into December, January, and we're still hearing a lot of the same things about got to figure out what the chemistry and, and what kind of the makeup of this group is. Well, uh, 
stay tuned for our coverage at DuckSports.com, and uh, it all get gets kicked off for the women where they will actually be a home underdog on November 9th as they play the uh, women's national team in an Olympic tune-up. So that'll be fun. Uh, moving on back to football. Um, you know, I think Oregon is uh, like a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this game at USC. Uh, I agree with you. I think it's a toss-up. I think uh, USC is going to play – up to their talent and a lot of that talent is injured but they still have plenty of firepower on offense to make this interesting uh i'll go with the intangible of having the senior quarterback um the better running game and uh the healthier defense i think oregon will find a way to pull out a third straight dramatic win yeah i remember somebody saying at washington around halftime that boy this oregon team not a team really built to come from two touchdowns down or something like that. That was kind of one of the analysts was talking about that, you know, they play better from ahead. Well, now two weeks in a row, we've seen them come back. I, I think there's something about that that Oregon takes down there. And like I say, this, this feels like it's 31-30. I'm not sure which way, you know, who wins it. But it does feel like Oregon right now is going to feel in the fourth quarter of a game that now they've, they've been through these. I mean, we talked, you know, when, when Herbert had the – comeback win over the Huskies it was uh, you know the previous first one he had was Utah in a bad year and then the bowl game and that was kind of the signature well they're now coming off kind of two signature wins in a row and those are the kind of things I think that make you know if they get to an 11-1 season there's there's three or four games that can go each way and you know they lost one of those against Auburn certainly but these last two now I mean there's uh, you know they don't come back against Washington and Cam Lewis misses a field against Washington State this team's what three and three in the Pac-12 and suddenly or three and two and suddenly we're all saying what's wrong with Oregon they dropped two in a row are they going to play their way out of this thing so it's it's a thin line for them but I think when you win those it boosts you as you go along it'll be interesting to see because the USC receivers deservedly are getting so much attention um you know I think Jawan Johnson wants a piece of that spotlight I think Mm -hmm. he's a talented guy he came here to make his mark with Justin Herbert. And then you have Micah Pittman, the brother uh, of Michael Pittman Jr., who's now getting healthy. This could be his uh, chance to get some of that spotlight, too. Yeah, and we've seen Micah Pittman. Every catch he makes, he gets up and he's pumping his fist. He's an excitable dude out there. And you think, man, if he makes a play this one with his brother on one sideline, you got to figure probably 20, 30 family and friends. He may, uh, you know, the key for him might be to kind of keep his emotions under control this week because he seems like a guy who, if he makes a couple catches out there, could could maybe start getting a little bit, you know, kind of fired up and you wonder about kind of staying in the moment. So uh, that will be an interesting one to see. But uh, the, the two Pittman brothers, certainly two of the better players on the field. And there's also the Winston brothers. Uh, Lamar's brother's not exactly uh, built his way into the rotation yet, but we uh, we have overlooked the matchup of the Winston brothers this week as well. All right, I say that Oregon wins this 38-33, and make sure you t- – what, what's your prediction? I got 31-30, and I don't know who All right. wins. All right. <laughs> so uh, you'll find out at DuckSports.com. Please check that out for all of the coverage leading into and out of that game, and thanks for tuning in.